Welcome, friends, to the Liberation Lectionary, uh, where we riff on a, a mostly a gospel reading uh, for the, the given Sunday in the lectionary text, and we try to find um, those seeds of liberation, how we can make sense of these scriptures and struggle and wrestle with the meaning of it um, um, for our lives and for our life of, of praxis of, of, of being involved in, in the work of justice through our faith. Um, I'm Francisco Garcia. Uh, Episcopal priest, uh, PhD student, and all-around troublemaker hanging out in Nashville. And here's my, my compañero. Jamie Edwards Acton, also an Episcopal priest, uh, fellow troublemaker out here in Los Angeles. Los Angeles. <laughs> and so today we are um, looking at the seventh Sunday of Easter, and we're still in the, the Gospel of John. Um, and today we have um, what I have kind of called the rambling Jesus gospel, although in, you know, official biblical scholars have, have, have called it the high priestly prayer. Some of you may have heard of it as the farewell discourse, but I think it's kind of like, you know, I'm thinking about the Almond brothers, right, Jamie? Like, yeah. Lord, I was born a rambling man. That's, that's Jesus. Trying to make a living, doing the best that I can. Okay. I'll stop singing. <laughs> We were talking about this earlier. It's a different kind of rambling, but I think Jesus was a rambling man. And um, this, this, this uh, prayer or sermon, however you want to characterize it, kind of uh, articulates uh, emotions, uh, a lot of context of wh where Jesus and the disciples were at, at the time of this prayer. And we'll hear more about that. So Jamie's going to kick that off. I'm ready to read this passage from uh, John chapter 17, 6 through 19, and uh, this comes from the New Revised Standard Version. Jesus said, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for the words that you gave me I have given to them. And they have received them and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was given with them, while I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. 
the gospel of the Lord. All right, Jesus. I made it. What you saying there, brother? (laughs) You want to kick it off? Sure. Um, Well, you know, I, we were talking ahead of time a little bit. We usually check in a couple minutes ahead and, you know, I just, uh, reminded Francisco how I look at every, you know, kind of get into every sermon or study. And I imagine you do the same, Francisco, but I kind of take my cues from French philosopher and linguist uh, Paul Ricoeur, um, who um, had is, although not necessarily a biblical scholar, was kind of helped to lay the foundation for uh, kind of a, 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 an approach to studying scripture of uh, uh, hermeneutical approach of understanding scripture, which is looking at the three worlds of the text. And uh, it, with every text that we encounter, there is the world behind the text, uh, there is the world in the text, and there is the world in front of the text. So the world behind the text is that world who that produced the text, right? That community, that person, that those values, that historical situation, those, that agenda that produced the text. The world in the text is in the story itself, right? The story of Jesus with his disciples in this, uh, on Maundy Thursday still, right? There's, his hands are still wet from washing the disciples' feet on Maundy Thursday after still in this long discourse uh, before he gets arrested. Uh, that's the world in the text. And then the world in front of the text is everything after that all the way up to us, right? All these interpretations throughout uh, the centuries of how, how communities and peoples uh, saw how their worlds connected to both the world of the text, in the text, and the world in fr- uh, behind the text. So I want to, um, you know, what we do every week here is we, of course, look at the world in front of the text, us, like how does this apply to us? We're Hopefully we're doing that. I want to, so that will happen throughout the conversation, but I do want to start by just saying, look at what, just point out some things that are happening behind the text in the Johannine community and some things that are happening in the text and that may or may not inform us uh, about in, in just a little bit of context. So what's happening behind the text that, remember that John writes this gospel around the year 90. This is a a time after the destruction of the temple, after the destruction of Jerusalem. It's a time when all Jewish uh, peoples and communities are trying, are striving to uh, reimagine how, how are we going to reimagine our identity, identities, religious identities, uh, or just identity period, probably at the Mm -hmm. time, given the fact that the temple has been destroyed our holy city has been destroyed and occupied. Um, you know, what does that say about our God who we used to, you know, kind of think that was more, most profound, most present in the temple and in this city? And uh, so we have to kind of rethink that, right? We have to rethink that identity a little bit. And um, for, I think, the for rabbinic Judaism, that, that becomes... Uh, that becomes kind of the Torah, right? The Torah be- is becomes the new uh, kind of temple, as it were, right? The new where God dwells most uh, profoundly, um, and in, in the in the sharing of the Torah, the teaching of the Torah, um, the the proclamation of the Torah. For Christian Jews, uh, it's a little bit of a different twist 
and where they're going again it's they both come from this same time historical period but they go down a different path and see uh, God's dwelling presence most profound in the person and life and death and resurrection of Jesus right uh, which includes his teachings, which includes this, you know this, his understanding of scripture, but it's in it's focused in this this word, it's a, it word incarnated in a person, right? As John describes in the beginning of his gospel. Um, so though um, I think that's important to understand for the world behind the text, because I can feel the anxiety coming through here loud and clear in this text. And I feel what I'm imagining at this time, year 90, roughly, is that folks in John's community are questioning, right, the decisions that they've made uh, to go down this road to follow this, this uh, revolutionary rabbi, Jesus. Uh, and when, and they've, they've really suffered the consequences of that, these choices um and um of being ostracized and kicked out of the synagogue and you know as it says in the text itself and um and so there's there's a lot of cues or clues in here that that speaks to not just what's happening uh to the johannine community but the feeling right the the emotion that, mm -hmm. that's happening here um and i think it's in this this idea just put a pin in that they're questioning their decision because i'm going to come back to that and can and i think john's trying to counter that here in this text. The world in the text, I think there's a lot of anxiety too, which is a no-brainer, right? Jesus is on the verge of getting arrested. He knows it. Uh, Judas has already done what he's done. And, uh, and uh, he, or it's already kind of put the things in motion. And, um, and so he, you know, like anybody, right? Uh, he's, he's kind of anxious. He's fearing the next, um, what's going to happen next. And I think the disciples are picking up on this too. They're picking up on these vibes and they're getting anxious too. They're, and, and their anxiety will just go through the roof when Jesus, after Jesus gets arrested yeah. and all their bravado up to this point just flows right out the window. And um, so there's a lot of anxiety here. There's a lot of not uh, uncertainty about tomorrow, about the future, um, and which I think is important because those things are still, uh, we still experience that today, right? Um, here we are coming out of a pandemic. We're in this kind of, this transition, this liminal, this, you know, in between time, and there's a lot of uncertainty. So I think there's ways to apply uh, this text and what's happening behind the text to our own situation. So let me just start there. And then if you want to, um, take it from there, Francisco, and I'm, I'm ready to ping pong back and forth. So yeah. I want to give you a uh, chance. I'll take a breath. I'll give you a chance. So. <laughs> you're just, you're just following in the tradition of the rambling Jesus. That's, that's all. Right, that's <laughs> right. And I'm going to continue. I'll start rambling myself. <laughs> so um, no, I think that no, those are real, some really good um, observations about the feeling of the text, you know, and like what is happening in this moment. And, um, you know, the anxiety that kind of can be, uh, sort of expressed um, alongside some kind of a um, resoluteness as well, you know, like Jesus is expressing like, okay, like I've chosen this path um, and I'm going to basically cross all my T's and dot all my I's, um, you know, and it's, it's part of this, this, you know, Jesus is trying to impart everything he possibly can, mind, body, and spirit 
to his disciples and to those who would listen um, before he goes forward, knowing that it will, you know, what will happen to him, you know, knowing that um, he will be arrested and, you know, at this quite possibly executed, right, at this point. And so um, one thing that um, is different here is, you know, like, like the Gospel of John always has significant differences um, from the um, synoptic Gospels, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Mark, Matthew, and, and um, Luke. And one of the differences here is that Jesus is praying um, to God in um in his disciples presence right it's like jesus i mean like like um jamie mentioned um you know this is in the context of, of of the foot washing and the teaching of the commandment to love um there's no last supper right in the gospel of john this that this this whole scene of the foot washing kind of counts as that right um uh or no lord's prayer that's issued out and jesus is sort of teaching in a different way here um and one of those is by modeling, right? He's kind of praying out loud and sort of modeling to the disciples what it's like to sort of be in this kind of relationship, this conversational relationship with, with God, right? Um, and he's praying for, and he's praying for them, right? He's praying for them. Like, I'm going to be leaving this place, but please remember them. Like, I know that their security and their protection can't be 100% guaranteed, take care of them, you know, um, in whatever, whatever, whatever way that looks like. So it's also kind of like a tender moment, right? Mm -hmm. um, sanctify them, right? And the word that really comes up there is the same, is, is hallowed, right? Um, have them make sure that their lives are seen as sacred in, in before the world. Um, right. and, and so there's sort of some, some really kind of deep pastoral work that's happening here. Um, and, you know, he's trying to impart this and model it and also demonstrate his deep care and love and solidarity um, with them and with the way, you know? So yeah. I think that's kind of what comes up for me here. Um, it, it's a real, it's a real embodiment, right? Of, mm -hmm. of, of, of the life. Yeah. I love that. And, and, you know, there, the word uh, give here is used 17 times in this chapter. And, um, it's, uh, this goes to my, you know, uh, to kind of what you were, stuff you've been saying, and then to my point about the Johannine community wondering if they made the right decision. And it's, it's tough when, when we think it's about us making the decision, right? And just like Jesus said last uh, week, I think it was last week or the week before, where he said, you know, you did not choose me, I chose you. I appointed you, he says in another time, right? And I think, I think uh, Jesus... The jo John, through Jesus, is trying to hammer this point home, right? And so you can imagine in jo Johannine community, now we're talking historically around the year 90, if they're, if they're wondering about the decision, quote unquote, that they made, I think John, the pastor, is trying to make it clear that actually they did not make the decision, mm -hmm. right? They were appointed. They were chosen. And here now, it's very clear that God gave these folks to Jesus. God gave the followers of Jesus to Jesus. And mm -hmm. so I think what John is trying to make clear is that this is something that God is making happening. If you're questioning your decision about following Jesus, right, we need to at least have 
to respect the fact that this was not our choice, right? But it was God's choice, right, that pushed us. It's like Martin Smith, who's an Episcopal monk. Uh, I think that's his name. He, and he wrote, The Word is Very Near. Mm. And, um, and he talks about, it's about prayer, and he teaches about centering prayer and stuff like that. And he says, you know, a lot of people... They, they go at prayer kind of like exercise, right? And we, we try these different exercise plans or diets and stuff. And after we do that a hundred different times, we, we lose, we start to doubt ourselves. We doubt our own motivations. Whenever the idea comes up again is I'm going to start praying more. I'm going to, you know, we doubt it because we say, you know, we've been down this path before. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to pray more, whatever. But he says, but the, the impulse to the impulse to pray, just to get us to that point, to wonder if we should have a more prayer life. He says, we have to honor that impulse that does not come from us. We have to mm. honor the impulse within us that comes from God. And even if we don't develop that prayer life we desire or whatever, we have to honor the impulse. And I think John is trying to get at something here like that, that even if you're questioning, doubting your decision, you have to honor the, at least the possibility the possibility that it's not you deciding whether you made the wrong or right decision. This is about whether you're responding or not to something that God is trying to get at, you know, trying to nudge you, trying to mm-hmm. provoke you, trying to welcome you, invite you, uh, you know. And so it it's an, it's changes the orientation uh, for me in this passage. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I have some other things. I'm going to give it back to you for. OK. Mm hmm. No, I think that that's really that's really important to think about um, how we how, our orientation and our perspective and and how it, it's it's I think it's another way of uh, how we sort of tap into abiding, right? Right. Knowing that um, God already kind of abides in us and with us, and it's kind of then the next step is for us to be to sort of aware having an awareness of that and to sort of like deepen it right to live into it mm-hmm. um but so what i see kind of happening um in the end here when and you know jesus is, is talking about um you know the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world just as i do not belong to the world i'm not asking you to take them out of the world um but, you know, ask you to protect them. They do not belong to the world, right? Um, you know, I think obviously there's, we have to be careful about how we understand what this is, is to mean, right? Because then it gets back to that earlier um, uh, scripture in John, John 3, 16. Um, and when we talked about John 3, 17, et cetera, right? Um, God so loved the world and God did not condemn the world. So this is not talking about the world as in, um, you know, everything that is in, you know, this planet Earth that we live on and, and humanity and creation. What really I think this is talking about when, and then we say that we're in the world, but not of the world. It's about the, the, the worldview and the systems that have created oppression, right? And so that's, I think, the kind of world, the, the world of, of uh, uh, the sickness of, of uh, you know, of greed and the desire for ultimate power and authority and, you know, power over, uh, uh, you know, accumulation of, of wealth in the face of, of, of uh, you know, deep poverty, you know, um, hatred towards, you know, those who would be different than you. Um, 
all of these elements, right, would be the world. And, and so when we think about the world in that sense, right, um, they don't belong, right? The disciples, we shouldn't belong to that world. Right. We're living in the context of it, right? We're surrounded by it. We're affected by it. But we got to do everything that we can to liberate, liberate ourselves from the trappings of that world. Right. And I think that's kind of what Jesus is getting at here. Like, Father, deliver them out of this world because I'm leaving because of the, the sin, the structural sin of this world that does not believe in my love, does not believe in the way of truth that would have us create a different world, right? A different way of belonging to each other um, mm -hmm. um, and honoring you, honoring the source of all of life and honoring creation. And so help deliver the disciples and protect them from that evil, right? And, and help them sort of continue to carry this message as, as I depart. That's right. And, and yeah, because the disciples are called to ascribe to a different set of values, right? A different set of uh, priorities uh, in the world, like kingdom priorities, right? And I think that's what this is. That's exactly what John's community. That's what John is trying to tell his community, right? Look, we're getting hammered. We're getting shamed. We're getting ostracized. We're getting ridiculed. We're getting persecuted. But but those are all based on the values of this world. So don't don't ascribe to those values, right? Hold fast to this other economy, right? That we've been uh, given, right? We've been we've been sucked into. We've been drawn into, not necessarily on our own, uh, by our own will or our, on our own accord. Uh, but we now we are we inhabit a different world within a world that we need to uh, stay um, kind of faithful to. And I think the last one, of the, the last point I would make about this whole text, um, Francisco, is that to me, I get the feeling that in this prayer, it's a wonderful, loving prayer. Um, it's really tender. It's it's um, you know, I, I you can. There's tenderness and, you know, with the with the anxiety that surrounds and everything, it makes it even more kind of, you know, uh, special. But I, I feel like there's this trans it's it's like there's this transitioning happening. Right. Jesus mm -hmm. is trying to uh, through prayer is trying to kind of uh, seal the deal at the end of this farewell discourse. He's trying to transition Actually, I think he is trying to transition the community of the of friends that are, you know, that now he that surround him. He is trying to transition everything that he has been about, all his mission, his purposes, his way of loving in the world, his justice, his, you know, all his courage. He is mm. trying to transition all of that and have that be embodied in this community now that they you know, and this is all orthodox thinking, right? I'm not out on a limb here, I don't think. But they then become the body of Christ, right? They become mm -hmm. uh, the, in, the uh, this is, you know, where Christ continues in the community. Christ continues what Christ mm -hmm. began, uh, even after his death and resurrection and ascension. And so I, I feel like Jesus is really trying to, you know, like protect them, right? Create a protective a force around them, God, so that they can continue to learn to love one, and, uh, love one another. Protect them from the evil one and all those that might distract us or draw us away or or push us down or whatever, you know, oppress us. Uh, 
bring some protection for them as they continue to learn how to be this beloved community. And finally, God, he says, sanctify them, which I, you know, I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up in any religious tradition, but even <laughs> the Episcopal, you know, we don't use that word a lot, right? Sanctification. We don't get into that a lot, like our evangelical brothers. We use it in the Eucharistic prayer, right? We use it in the Eucharistic prayer. And we exactly. sanctify, well, and we do it. Right. The interesting thing, though, in the litur- that liturgical space, we sanctify both the, 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 the Eucharist, right? The, the bread and the wine, but we also ask to sanctify ourselves. Us, right. So here and it I, is. Right. And I would like to extend that, right? So sanctify us, uh, you know, Francisco, I think you'll resonate with this, that the sanctification process is not unlike the, the process of being in solidarity, right? Absolutely. That the more we grow to dwell, we right. We tried to make the argument that to dwell in or to abide in God's presence was not like to relax necessarily, but it was to be in solidarity with uh, the you know the kind of the purposes and agenda of Jesus and the life of Jesus. And I think that's what sanctification is. Sanctification is the more we can become like Jesus, right? The more we are become sanctified. And, and the more so, that we become like Jesus is, is, is we follow in the way, you know, that's right. It's and not, that's what it means. It's not about like a purification no. or a piety, it, but it's you about can't do it standing still. You can't do it from your couch. You can't with your hands it, clean. You know? No, you can't keep it. Yeah. You need calluses. Let's just put it that way. Right. You need some spiritual and physical calluses to make this happen. And, and, and it takes risk, right? It involves risk. It involves uh, vulnerability. It involves standing with. It involves giving up. Right. It involves failure. Up. Failure. Um, and so I think that the sanctification process is, you know, it's it's like when you put, you know, it's like when you wash your tennis shoes and you put wet tennis shoes in the dryer with the rest of your clothes. And it's not that nice little just as it goes around. No, it sounds like a little mini earthquake, right? In your dryer. That's what the sanctification process is not just a simple drying process or heating up process, purification process. It's got some rough and tumble in it. And, um, and you're going to get bumps and you're going to get bruises, but there is a, there's a lot of promise, right? Too. There's a lot of promise. Uh, and, and what uh, the promise simply is to not only be like Jesus, but to be with Jesus. Right. And um, and and so I think that's what John is getting at. You know, he's trying to make this case through uh, this memory of Jesus to his community. I think Jesus is trying to tell in the text is trying to tell his disciples that, you know, our relationship will continue through mm-hmm. this, you know, through this transition process, through you becoming the mission, you becoming the work, you becoming the love, um, you know, embodying each other and in the community, I think uh, there's no need to say goodbye then, you know, yeah. so even after these chapters long farewell discourse, yeah, you know, the punchline is like, there's really no need to say goodbye. Yeah. Um, uh, even though it's going to be a painful next few days, ultimately we will be with each other. And given that this is still like a text that we're reading um, in the Easter season, right? The seventh Sunday, um, it's an example of resurrection. It's about the new life, you know, that right. that exists in the face of, uh, of of all forms of despair and you know and death not being that you know that final sting, right? Not having right. the final say, um, you know. And it's everywhere in in our tradition. If we look at 
um, all of the things that we do, we talked about the Eucharist, right, and how significant it is um, in terms of this, this, this really this collective sanctification, this mm -hmm. different way of understanding um, of what it means to to see our lives and the lives uh, everywhere around us as as holy, um, meaning that it's about dignity, right? It's about human dignity in the face of all forces against that. Um, but like in the you know at our, in our burial um, right, there's that you know there's that phrase that says um life is not changed but ended right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um I, I always say that wrong life is not ended, ended but, but changed. changed yeah oh, why do i always do that so <laughs> life doesn't end it just changes and Let's i think hope you don't do jesus, it at the funeral itself i know right <laughs> jesus is saying that right here like you said it's yeah. not farewell it's just a different way of living into this resurrected life that's right yeah and i and i i love the setup of this sunday on the eve of Pentecost, right? Because this is if this is the re realization Sunday, right? This is like an Epiphany Sunday, right? This realizing that we become, you know, we become the body of Christ. But we're then then these other tapes start to kick in. Like, okay, great, we're the body, but we just can't. We don't have the wherewithal to make it happen, right? We don't have the the power to make it happen. The empowerment. Um, and then wham, you know, comes Pentecost Sunday to kind of knock that one out of the park too. So it's like a one, two punch, right? This next, next two Sundays, you got, uh, um, I, you know, I don't even know what you call this Sunday, the seventh Sunday, I guess, or Ascension Sunday, but, and then, um, and then, uh, Pentecost, but, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's all I got today, Francisco. I, I mean, I, I feel like it's enough for me, but if you got anything else to say. Yeah, I think this this is our this you know going back to your sort of you know um, exegesis or analysis um, you know in terms of the you know we are now the that world in front of the text and this is this is our come to Jesus moment right That's literally right. come to right. Jesus moment to to really f uh, reflect on what it means to um, be the body in this world in a broken world. Um, in a world that that desperately needs, um, you know, uh, signs of new life, possibility of new life, and um, you know, um, we see we see glimmers of it, and I think we need to continue to um, you know be the kind of church um, that will um, you know stand uh, with uh, with people who are in communities that are struggling to make sense of their life, right? To find real, real, uh, real justice and, and dignity and compassion um, in the world, right? Last week we talked about, you know, things that are happening in Colombia. Um, that stuff not, not, is not obviously resolved. And, you know, this week things have been flaring up in Israel and Palestine. And, um, you know, there's obviously a long history there, but I think that folks who are uh, folks who I, uh, on, on both sides of that struggle, I think, who are committed to, um, you know, human rights and, 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 and real dignity, um, see the need for, um, you know, an end to the occupation, right? Um, and and um, obviously there needs to be, you know, international cooperation to, to sort of get to some kind of a ceasefire so that, you know, people, there's no more loss of life, right? And this incredibly hard situation, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, so that all people can find some, you know, sense of belonging and well-being and, and, and justice and mutuality 
in a land that is holy to to to, to everybody that's there you know yeah, yeah. so my, I'm, that's just kind of what's on my heart right now as yeah. we think about the world and uh you know is is what what can we do to continue to pray for for the peace with justice in you know in israel and palestine yeah and I said that was, I didn't have anything else to say, but you know, that was a lie. It's usually a lie, Francis. But, <laughs> um, but you know, we're, we're putting, uh, this might seem disconnected, but I hope it's not. We're, we're putting someone up for ordination right now, Peyton, you know, your, uh, our good friend Peyton. And, uh, yeah. and we, you know, he's in a long line of uh, candidates here at St. Stephen's, but I, I was reminded as I read the literature and write my letters and stuff for him that, you know, the, deci- the diocese here in LA made a, wise decision a long time ago under Bishop John Bruno that reorienting our understanding of what call means, right? That uh, when I went to seminary, I, I think I went to seminary with a whole class of people who felt personally called uh, to be a priest, right? Which I didn't quite understand. And, but uh, they, had their, their, they had their stories, right? A personal kind of me and Jesus kind of things. And, and some when they were like five years old and some when they were 20 and stuff like that. Um, in this diocese, it makes it pretty clear to be to have a healthy suspicion of that, and to flip that on its head, and that authentic call and it is laid out in this community comes from the community first, right? The community, Affirmation. The community chooses you to be clergy, to be a priest, right? And so um, that makes me think of just everything we've talked about about how John is trying to reorient. Uh, you know, his community, how Jesus trying to reorient his disciples in terms of disabusing them of thinking that they made all the decisions to get them to this point. Um, and that trying to get them to um, reimagine uh, what it would be, wh- how it would change for them if they understood that it was actually God's initiative, that it was God was making, you know, kind of starting this, reaching out, drawing in, pull, you know, uh, and, and whether it be for the original disciples, uh, as we see Jesus calling them right off their fishing boats or whatever, and uh, they, it wasn't anything they did. And, um, and the same for John's community, trying to remind them. And I think the same for us, too, right? As we discern how we might become agents of peace and justice and reconciliation for all those things you just talked about, Francisco, and when we feel ill-equipped or we feel like we don't have uh, whatever it takes to do that, consider the fact, I'm asking all our friends, uh, all three friends that are listening to our uh, <laughs> Hopefully five, podcast. hopefully yeah, five. Hopefully five. Uh, and, and a shout out to Susan, my uh, theology professor uh, from seminary. Uh, I think she'll be listening to this. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, but at least consider the fact that uh, maybe then, you know, this is being initiated from beyond you to get involved in some justice making, reconciliation, peacemaking, whatever it is in the world, and see if that reorients us, right? Let's see if we see it like that. Does it, does it change how we understand, change our, you know, kind of how we feel about our own agency and capacity and uh, to make a difference? Um, I hope it will. I hope it does. Uh, knowing that it's it, this is not about us, right? This is not about yeah. us, um, um, individuals, right? It's about us, and it's including God, right? Uh, making it all happen. So, um, anyways, 
I promise that's my last thought, Francisco. I promise. No, I think that's great. And just and as that we remember that we are just so too as in this text, Jesus, um, you know, sent the disciples um, with this deep prayer. Obviously, that extends to us, you know, and we're we're um, sent out into the world just as they were sent out. Um, and with that, we have like that that we're part of this longer trajectory. Um, right. Of, of a community of, of faith that is in sort of deep resistance to the injustices of the world, but is also then in faithful in the way of, of, of seeking the, you know, love, truth, compassion um, for all. Yeah. So it's pretty cool thinking Jesus praying for us, right? Praying for our protection, our and calling for our sanctification. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. So. All right, Francisco, you want to take us out? Well, Ramblin listen man. to the rambling Jesus. <laughs> Find our way here now. If we had the copyrights, we'd play that song for you guys today, but we don't. So All we'll right, just get Francisco time. singing it. So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> All right. Peace, everybody. Peace, friends.